Check it out. What's going on, folks? It is time for another Kevin and Drew Talk Movies episode. Woo-wee. What are we talking about today, Drew? (laughs) Well, we're going to be covering uh, As the Palace Burns, the... uh Lamb of God documentary, mm-hmm. and uh, my pick, The Green Knight. <laughs> like, Hell yeah. Um, so before we get into those movies, uh, you screenshot? Yep, let's do us up a screenshot. Let's do us up a screenshot. Beers oh. up. Like the night thing. Well, he was like holding the axe yeah. up or something. Yeah, yeah, holding it up in the air. So yeah, this should be an interesting episode, man. You know, yeah, for sure. First time ever doing a documentary, and uh, that was also a movie. Uh, I think it's one of the few times we picked a movie that neither one of us had seen. Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty good. Did you watch anything else? You want to go movie for movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one I watched, I so I, I gave it another chance. I rewatched uh, the Weird Al Yankovic parody documentary. Hell yeah! And uh, I actually enjoyed it a lot more the second time I watched it. My <laughs> sister fucking loved it, dude. It's it's, it's funny, man. <laughs> it is. Although I uh, just love that. Guy. I kind of realized that. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is lip syncing pretty much most of the movie. Yeah, and it's like yeah. it's like, uh, and it actually because I it kind of threw me off for a loop the first time I watched it, uh-huh. but the second time when I was like more comfortable, like when I like kind of knew that's what was going on. Right, I kind of thought it was hilarious because most <laughs> of the time his mouth didn't line up with the words, and I kind of think it was intentional, and it made it that much funnier. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like purposely ridiculous. You got all kinds of cameos in there. Yeah. Conan O'Brien, fucking all all kinds of people. That one scene with Jack Black and uh, there's so many people in there. Yeah. I think Martin Short's in there. Fucking all kinds of people. Yup. The bassist from Queen is in that scene with uh, Jack Black. That is actually the real uh, bassist (laughs) from Queen. Yeah, it's pretty funny. (laughs) I think Conan's like Andy Warhol or something. Um, that, that he's not, uh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol was, oh, he's one of the dudes from SNL. I can't remember his name, but that's where I know him from. Um, I think you're right. I think Conan is, and I just can't remember. Uh, Rain Wilson plays the, uh, doctor. Yeah. The, uh, he's like his manager or something, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Rain Wilson, he's great, man. He yeah, was, he was Fish Boy in the Thou House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Before he was Dwight from The Office. Anyways, um, I only got a couple movies. I watched um, The Pianist. Okay. Have you ever seen With it? Adrian Brody. Yeah. Um, I, I want to. I know it's a movie he won it an Academy Award. Fucking very good. Dude. Yeah. Like really, really good. It made me want to deep dive into some WW two shit. You know. Uh, you know. 
there's an interesting fact toyed about him doing that movie. He uh purposely like gave up all his possessions and like basically he like was like basically living out of a hotel, like living out of his car to like actually get the feeling what it's like to lose oh, everything like he like sold like all he yeah. went method acting yeah he like yeah, i think that's why his performance is uh uh so convincing in that movie that's because i've definitely read about it uh yeah and dude, he uh these method actors man they really get well, some great performances well, like he you know, daniel like, day lewis and yeah shit. he really wanted to connect to the character and i think that's why he gave all that stuff up that's what's up a little life experience for him yeah. to put into the movie. Yeah, it was very good. I definitely recommend it. Check that out. I think I cried a little. I don't remember. <laughs> it's pretty good. I think it was like, I forgot where I watched it. Anyways, what else you got? Uh, I watched the Muppet movie with Jason Siegel. My <laughs> sister fucking loves that oh, movie, yeah. and it's it, honestly. Didn't you say she wanted you to pick it or something? Yeah, so I just <laughs> went ahead and watched it with her because right. I didn't really want. I don't really want to pick comedies for the podcast, not because I don't enjoy them. Once but, in a while, I think I'm gonna pick one. You know, but just I, it's hard to it's unless hard to, it's like something like Big Lebowski, right? Or you know something where even though it's quotable. Where we can really dissect it, because a lot of comedies are kind of, um, yeah, like our last comedy episode, we were just kind of just, we just quoting it. The yeah, whole we were time. just quoting it because they're so funny. It's and it's so cool. Like those movies are so quotable, but it but at doesn't the same have time, a lot of meat to yeah, sink nothing, your teeth into. There's nothing into. to really dissect about it. It's they're very, uh, very transparent movies. So mm-hmm. it's, there's not a lot to, to dig through. Um, right. But uh, no. Uh, the the movie was great though. Uh, that fucking uh, Muppet song that Jason Siegel does won a Emmy, and it's 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 hilarious, man. My sister made me uh, listen to it in the car when I went and picked her up one time, <laughs> and that's kind of what spurred us into like watching it. That's what's up. Um, the only other one I watched was oh Blade Runner. Okay. Did not care for it. Yeah, that you know, I've never got... <laughs> Sorry, it's been, Mike. <laughs> it's been on my list forever, and I just never got around to watching it. Like, I like I want to just to... And it was the original one with Harrison Ford. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike let me borrow that in Indiana Jones a long time ago. Now I could finally give his DVDs back. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's not my style, that movie. Right. Yeah, it's it's a over the top and stylistically i mean it's got great ratings and everything yeah uh, it's a it's a ridley scott movie so right yeah yeah um but yeah that's all i was gonna watch dinner with andre have you heard of that no oh it's like some old movie basically they just it's just dude having dinner the whole time i Someone said to like uh, watch it as if it were a podcast because they're just talking and shit. But uh, gotcha. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. HBO. Uh, <laughs> my my sister uh, also made me watch. Uh, uh, I think it's Chu Wong Fu. Thank you uh, for everything, Julie Newmar. Yeah, I've seen it. It's it's a, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Wesley a, Snipes. It's a pretty funny movie, man. It's John Leguizamo. Uh, it's pretty well done. Honestly, the best fucking actor in the movie is uh, Wesley Snipes. Yeah, like he's like so convincing as a drag queen. It's hilarious, man. 
It's like he really like sells it, and it's and like, Luke was almost like sassy kind of. Yeah, bro. yeah, exactly what you expect out of like a gay Latino. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty damn funny. Yeah, they just what do they they like end up in like a small fucking town. Yeah, it's like some town in uh, Iowa. You know, it's like where they would they never. You know, it's like they don't the, see it's a that culture sort of shock. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fish and out then, of water. Well, story. then Sean Penn tries to uh, like rape. Oh yeah, Patrick Sean Swayze's Penn, uh, not Sean Penn. Uh, um, sorry, Chris Penn. Chris Penn. Chris Penn tries to rape uh, Patrick Swayze's character, but then when he goes up his skirt and realizes he's got a dick, like <laughs> there's that. Uh, <laughs> Get your hand off my dick, buddy! <laughs> that cracks me up every time. And then he was pissed about it, right? And then he like he like tries to get it. Well, that's the whole thing. The whole he's like he's like they're he's not like real the women. Like they're right. you know, it's like dude, you were the one that literally. He was like, no, please don't do this. And you fucking just went out straight up, got a handful of dick. Like that's on you, man. That's why uh, no, no means no, bro. Like yeah, yeah. That's a funny, fun movie. Old Swayze, man. Did you uh, did you watch any other uh, movies? Um, no, that's it for me. Um, so I watched, um, I watched the new Justice League movie, the or the Flash movie. It was okay oh, in theater. Yeah, nice. Because I, I went to a matinee, so it was only like ten bucks. Right. Um, I was thinking about going to the theater for Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say the best part about the Flash was Michael Keaton coming back as the Batman. Oh yeah. He like stole like every scene he was in. He was awesome. He was <laughs> he was so fucking good. And then the girl that plays like Supergirl was really good too. They were probably the they probably had the best scenes in the whole movie. Right um, on. I also saw, I hate to admit this, I was bored and I wanted to get out of the house and I was like, well, I have like, you know, like five hours until I pick my sister up and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went to the movies to see if I could find a movie I wanted to watch. I, I ended up watching the fucking new Transformers movie because it was like, it was like on, it was I a cheap matinee. It was like eight bucks. It I was, can't get into that shit, dude. Bro. It was so bad, man. I, I instantly regretted it. Like twenty <laughs> minutes in the movie, I was Who's like, "This is so fucking Anybody stupid." Notable? No, no. It's just this. It's just it's fucking Transformers. No, Mark Wahlberg. No, there wasn't anybody <laughs> famous. Shia in it, really. LaBeouf. No, nope, he's not in it either. I mean, you know, they've been making those movies for so goddamn long now. Yeah. Honestly, like Loki, I went to see it too because I used to watch Beast Wars when I was a kid all the time. And so they brought like those characters in the movies, but they kind of totally butchered them. So <laughs> I just like it was doubly disappointing for that reason. I was yeah, like, I "Well, just shit on my childhood, Michael Bay. Just shit on my childhood." I remember seeing the uh, the trailer and when I was at the theaters, I was like, "That is not for me, dude. I can't. Yeah. That is. It was bad. I can't do it was those really movies. bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I uh, I like." action movies but they have to have a concise plot man anymore like i just can't get behind them yeah i'm just it's just not my thing man i like i want my movies to have a fucking story have some substance yeah you got anything else before uh, we jump probably, in dude I, I watched a lot of movies this time around <laughs> but honestly you um, rattle them off real quick yeah uh i mean if you i didn't write them down remember. they're not yeah they're not i didn't write every single movie oh uh one last notable one, um, because I really love this uh, franchise, uh, Evil Dead. So I watched the, the new not one? the newest one, oh. but I watched the uh, 2013 one 
which has one of the coolest fucking endings to a movie I've ever seen for like a horror movie. Uh, big spoiler alert. So for everybody who hasn't seen it. So uh, at the end of the movie, when the ritual is completed, the sky literally starts raining blood. And so like this like sea of blood rises up and then this demon comes like that's where the demon comes from. It comes out of the fucking blood. And so she has to fight this crazy fucking demon. Uh, so the ending of the movie is really, really cool. Um, that makes me think of uh, Metalocalypse. I hear they're doing a movie now. Yeah, yeah. they're um, they're going to they're supposed to do a movie to finish uh, the story. Hell yeah, bro! Because they did a they did a movie to explain what happened to Toki. Toki, yeah, yeah. The end, uh, and then I need well, to revisit that shit. Um, so. What got Metalocalypse canceled? Where there is an episode where I I don't remember the the shit behind it, but somehow all the members aside from Toki end up with white hoods over their heads, <laughs> and it got it was shown on Adult Swim one time, one time. and then it got banned, <laughs> and then like uh. The show got taken off Adult Swim, and then they tried to. F- they were going to close it out with the movies, and so they did a movie, and then uh, Adult Swim pulled the plug because they just he just got so much backlash for that episode. But you know Brendan Spaws, he doesn't give a fuck, dude. Like he he's he just wasn't big enough to pull something like that off. It wasn't like a South Park situation where they can make jokes like that and get away with it because they don't. They really don't give a fuck, like, right? And they have the money to like combat that kind of shit. Whereas Adult Swim is a smaller channel, mm-hmm. so when all the backlash hit for that episode, they kind of their hands were kind of tied. They kind of had to um, pull it. My hands are tied. All right, what do you say we jump into one? I actually want to start with the Green Knight. All right, we, we got can a do lot that. to say um, about this movie. The Green Knight is a 2021 adventure drama. Director David Lowry, Lowry, um, eighty-nine percent tomato meter, fifty audience. I can actually see why that is. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of jump into that when, uh, whenever you're ready. I'm ready. Um, um, I'm actually gonna start off by saying, um, I actually didn't like this movie, even though really? I picked it. Um, there are things that I did like about it. Like I think the cinematography. Yeah, was, I have I have a note about the cinematography. Was gorgeous. Too. Um, so, yeah, there gorgeous. are some scenes in the movie I think are really really cool, uh, but I think this movie's problem is its pacing. It's just such a slog, man. Like there are um, so many scenes that are so drawn out where nothing really happens. It, uh, I think it's too. Uh, disadvantage of the movie um i'm gonna make another point is uh so essentially he's on a quest this quest for knighthood um but unless you kind of know what like the knight's vows are there's like things that you're gonna miss because i actually um there were like things i didn't remember about um like the history of knights and stuff like that, that I had to actually go and look up to make sense of some of the stuff that I was watching. And so essentially what it is like his entire journey, he is actually failing as a knight one task after another. So, um, 
hit, um, knights are supposed to be pious, right? So he's kind of already um, failed that test as a knight uh, by uh, he's supposed to be, uh, be uh, knights are supposed to be chastity, you know, chast before, until they're married. Uh, but he's already going to a brothel, so like that's his first failure. Like he looks, so he fails right off the bat. Uh-huh. Um, his second failure is actually with the Green Knight. So uh, knights are supposed to be chivalrous and honorable in combat. But what does he do instead of showing the Green Knight mercy or having a fair battle with him? He chops uh, his he, head right he, off. He um goes. He just shows brutality and chops his head off. Right. So he fails that test as a knight. Interesting. Um, the th- um, the second, the fourth, uh, the the next part is um, um. So it kind of makes sense what happens to him in the forest with the thieves. Yeah, Barry Keoghan. I love that kid, dude. He's great. Uh, um. So uh, knights are also supposed to be generous. So when the um, the that thief is offering to give him information, right. He only gives him one coin, even though he probably has a lot more money than that on him. Yeah. Uh, so he's also being um, tight with his money. He's being kind of a greedy. He's being kind of greedy. Yeah. Uh, and so I he, love that actor, dude, Barry Keoghan. So that's uh, it. That's his next failure. Like so, essentially, all his way, like his entire journey, he's failing as a knight. Like uh, so, that's kind of what I do find interesting about this movie. Um, and as a, in, in most, well, you wouldn't unless you. Um, also, he kind of cheats on the other woman, right? And. I was, uh, um, that's that, yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> she wipes uh, like jizz on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, uh, she, um, gives him a hand job, right? right. But, and she's a married woman. So, like, you know, he's like literally just breaking every, and, uh, the whole thing was that green sash is supposed to be his protection. It's mm. the, sp- it's the thing that's supposed to protect him. Yeah. And he tarnishes it. So, um, he, like, uh, you he, bre- are no knight. he breaks, wipes uh, he breaks his own jizz on him. Well, he breaks his vow to, uh, his family. Um, uh, the last, um, the, the, another really, uh, one thing that I did catch that I didn't have to look up that I knew right off the bat where he failed was when, uh, that, um, lady of the night, when he goes to her cabin and he starts to derobe and she's like, what are you doing? You're a knight. You should know better. Knights are supposed to be chivalrous towards women, but he's, you know, he's already trying to fuck this girl he just met in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, um, isn't she like dead or something? She's she, like a ghost or some shit. Uh, she is. Uh, she is dead. Uh, so it's like each. It makes sense because each that was kind of uh, doing a little bit of research. Each like big scene is uh, part of his journey to into manhood and to become a knight and to accept his fate and at each major event he fails so he's essentially uh it's kind of interesting because gawain's uh depending on the story is supposed to be like one of the most virtuous knights so it's really interesting that the movie kind of flips the folklore on its head and instead of being the super virtuous knight he's kind of a bastard yeah (laughs) like uh I feel like I like a lot of movies where the uh, the uh, lead actor is kind of an asshole and like a dislikable person. It makes it very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that um, that was kind of gripping for me. I did. Um, I just think that some of the sequences, either I'm not saying it needed more action, but I think there needed to be either um, more clarification. Of like the event, 
going on in the quest, you know what I mean? Because there's so much left to the audience that I think unless you're someone like me who has already kind of like studied like old knights and like read King Arthur and stuff like that where you kind of have an idea of like what history and like the fables kind of are about and their values and their values and stuff. Unless you kind of already know that I think in some instances, that's kind of why I um, didn't enjoy it too much. It's because I mean, even knowing some of the things I knew, I still kind of had, I felt like I had to go back and do a little research for like certain things to make sense. Um, But I will say I, um, I do like the ending. Uh, I did like, and this is big spoilers. I did like the fact that um, it kind of leaves it open to the audience. So, you, um, but it, it kind of seems like Gwen's character is killed in the end because it's him finally accepting his fate, and him like it's like him actually becoming a knight by, you know, doing. A, uh, I feel like that end sequence where he becomes the king and like. Essentially, yeah, the, there's a lot jam-packed into that. Well, essentially, uh, it's him almost having like a fee- It's either can take it uh, t- one of two ways is it's his la- life flashing before his eyes, yeah, and then him realizing the kind of life he'll lead if he continues to be the person he is if he doesn't change, right? Uh, that's how so, I took it. So, that's like one way to take it, or another way you can view it is that the green knight is showing in the future of like if he doesn't if he goes down if he keeps going down this path this is going to be the outcome he's essentially going to become this dark king and uh the king the kingdom is going to fall um yeah i tend to lean towards the former where it's kind of like uh it's him kind of soaking everything in before he accepts what's about to be dealt to him. Um, I think in that, that is kind of a, the end of the movie is kind of redemption for his character yeah. because he's accepting his guilt and yeah, his he faults. Takes the sash off and he is like, now I'm ready. And he is, uh, he's like, you know what? Um, I've been very unnice. It's kind of like, you can kind of, he doesn't say it, but that's definitely implied, implied that he accepts that he has not been nightly. And that in his death he will be a knight, like, and that's kind of um, yeah. And I think he also garners the Green Knight's respect. Um, now to like kind of break down stuff that's more vague that I kind of found interesting. Uh, so when we see King <laughs> Arthur and the Queen, they're like decrepit and old, but when we see the Green Knight, he's like this hulking um, figure. Uh, kind of really emanating his presence into this throne room and everybody kind of fears him. Oh, it's kind of uh, this, it's kind of nature versus civilization. I think that's kind of a big part of this movie where it's um, like, like when he asks, where's the green chapel and they tell him he's in it. Like, you know, the forest is the green chapel. It's very much like a man versus nature. And in the end, nature always wins. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I mean, they're like, uh, I kind of looked up some interviews with the director and he kind of says something similar. Like it is very much like, uh, it's about man versus self, but also about man versus nature. And that's kind of why, um, Arthur and the queen are kind of represent uh, 
civilizations like feeble attempts to kind of hold itself together and like while they're kind of going against nature like they can can never really stop it or win mm-hmm. it's an uh, it's a very interesting movie man just um for a brief description of the movie uh it's this you know what is he he's like his nephew right king arthur's he's king nephew. arthur's nephew yep and uh this fucking tree guy comes what is and it was it was like christmas or something right uh, so it's christmas uh i can kind of break it down so it's uh christmas day um and uh christ was born well um his mother isn't present really what this is is it's essentially gwayne has lived this life of luxury because he's the nephew of the king. So, you know, he like he goes to brothels every day, mm-hmm. he drinks, eats, like he essentially he uh lives a life of like gluttony and greed and um he lives a very unchivalrous and unknightly kind of type of life. Yeah, like his mother does not life. approve and it's um it's not ever stated but it's pretty obvious his mother is the one that summons the Green Knight. And it, I, it part of it is... Hmm, I didn't catch that, but yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and that's kind of... Because she's like a witch or something, right? Yeah, and so you, you kind of... Because the Green Knight doesn't show up until after his mom performs the ritual. And it's the letter that she stamps with the Green Seal is the one that the Green Knight hands to the king. So it's essentially the Green Knight comes about by Gwen's mother it's essentially her way of forcing him to be a man and to become a knight because he's uh yeah. because he's essentially he's avoiding his responsibilities like she's you know when she's asking uh where he's been when he's going to get married when he's going to become a knight like it's uh so yeah the green knight comes in and he's like and it's sort of a game he says right it's um <clears throat> That he so he challenges someone to try to strike a blow on him or whatever to have the bravery to do so. Yeah, and uh, but he says like in a year you must meet me at the Green Chapel so I can you know so I can return the reciprocate. Favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the same thing. So whether it be a scratch on your face or a fucking chopping off your head. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, he ends up chopping off his head, and then a year passes, and he has to go to this fucking green chapel. He has to make an adventure. It is a very adventure movie. It's yeah. Kind of, I kind of like that aspect. I do. I just wish there weren't such long, drawn-out pauses of nothing. You know what I mean? There are, like... I mean, the cinematography is beautiful, but yes. it still feels very... like it's. The movie, to me, and maybe I just need to give it another shot, but it felt much longer than it actually was to me because of some it's of like those shots. It's a two-hour movie, right? It's a two-hour movie, but I thought it was like a three-hour movie. <laughs> and it's because, honestly, some of those shots, are they're so drawn out, and they don't, they're they they're beautiful, but they don't need to be as long as they are. Like, um, honestly, it would have been more interesting to like maybe I don't know I'm just I'm just throwing it out here but sure every time he uh you know he has like a 
a test because he's tested, like I said, multiple times before he meets the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll focus on that a little bit more. And I'm not saying you need to beat the audience's head over with it, but kind of flesh those elements out more because it's almost sometimes like they're like a side note. Like with it's a, like it's a little weird, like the the dead woman in the cabin, because um, eventually he does complete the task that she sets ahead for him. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of conquers his fear yeah, and gets the head in the lake, the head, yeah. and then the axe is returned to him. I kind of found that very interesting, and that's kind of why I think the um, those people in the woods weren't necessarily people. Like they might not have even been alive because otherwise, how would you? How would uh, the acts have been returned to him? Barry Keoghan. I'll say it again. <laughs> He's the only one I really recognized in this movie. Yeah. I don't know any of the other actors. Um, the main actor uh, was the main character in Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, never seen it. Oh, got you. Uh, maybe I'll pick it's that been movie. It's been uh, requested to me. What? That's not the right word. It's been... Uh, <laughs> recommended? Recommended. <laughs> um... Yeah, cinematically very cool. Um, when I first put it on, bro, like a few minutes in, I was like, "I'm not gonna like this movie." <laughs> <laughs> but then it did like it grasped my attention and it picked up for me very, uh, very quickly. Like I don't know, throughout the movie, I I started in, to enjoy it more. Actually, it's, it's, it's not my favorite movie, but right, um, it it's kind of better than the first. Uh, few minutes i was like oh god this is gonna be a rough one <laughs> yeah i uh i didn't like i kind of went into it open-minded because i knew it was going to be a slower movie that's kind of the impression that i got mm-hmm. um, but i honestly i had the opposite reaction I, I liked it less as it went on because i uh Interesting. i actually really like i think one of the coolest scenes is the scene in the lake where he um I love the cinematography in that scene where it's, it's really dark and then it, uh, it, it's almost like a fever dream. Everything becomes red, like in like red in, uh, uh, old English is, um, like red is the color of death. So makes sense. That's why it's like such a cool (coughs) scene for me, like visually, like when he actually, um, retrieves the skull the skull from the lake he's like oh and he has the realization like he's like oh she's dead like you know he, he finally puts two and two together um i just really like the horror elements of that whole quest and this movie was kind of billed as like a horror fantasy but i feel like that is the only real like aside from the green knight the only real horror aspect of yeah, it it's not really horror no i wouldn't call it horror no and i guess i just wanted like like those like the moments in the in the forest where the thieves have him that I was really invested in that. I was like, oh, he could die here. Right. Like I that just, was my next note too. It was like <coughs> he was all tied up and shit. And uh, it was weird how they did that pan. You know that slow pan all the way around, and he comes back and he's just a skeleton there. You know. I don't know. And then it pans back around and he's still alive. I was like, what is that all about? It's a, uh, it's kind of his realization. If, uh, he doesn't man up and do something, he's going to, he's going to die here. Like, right. Um, there's, that's what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of that kind of stuff where, uh, he, it almost, 
it's almost too artsy. It's like he could give the audience just a little bit more. Um, he could give them a little more story because it feels like the story is stretched out in a way instead of really giving these events meat. Uh, and I don't know. I just feel like for as long as the movie is, there could have been more to it. Because when you break it down, it's a very simple movie. Knight meets Green Knight, cuts off his head, realizes that he's an immortal being, and then he's going to have to meet him in a year. So he tr- goes on a trek to a green chapel to essentially accept his fate. Like, and that's if you break it down, that's essentially the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. a very, it's a very actually simple plot. Um, <clears throat> the, and uh, I appreciate there are subtle nuances to the movie. I just, um, I feel like more was focused on the cinematography. Like, I feel like it was more, almost more of an art project than a movie because it feels like there's more attention to the actual shots than to what's actually going on in the story sometimes. That's just kind of my initial impression watching Yeah, I didn't get that uh, feeling, but, um... Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, you said, you mentioned how maybe them thieves weren't real or something. Yeah, because I did write a note where I where I was like, why would they leave the sword there for him to escape? You know, because they took the axe and fucking why? But why, but would, why they would they leave the axe in the house? Like, <laughs> and that's uh, I kind of uh, I kind of quickly came to the. That's kind of when I started to kind of put all these things together that um, each one of these uh, things uh, is a test. Like with the couple, he fails the uh, piousness test. Uh, He also um, commits adultery. And he can't even look the Lord in the face because he's fool around with his wife yeah that part was weird too um well essentially what he's giving him the gift he's giving him is like the kiss of death you know what i mean like, is that right yeah that's kind of how it kind of seemed it. like you wanted to fuck him <laughs> yeah <laughs> that both things can be true both things can be true yeah <laughs> uh yeah that was weird um but yeah what else we got um <clears throat> There's that scene where he eats the mushroom and shit. And I was kind of glad that they didn't fucking do a whole trip fucking thing. I mean, he kind of trips out a little bit with his, you know, he feels like something's growing on his hand and shit like that. But uh, I feel like that's been overdone lately, man. A lot of people yeah. do the uh, trip scenes well, in movies. And the thing with that, too, was is uh, he's starving, so he doesn't really test the mushrooms to see if they're poisonous and that's why he throws up because they are like that's his like guttural reaction and um that's the thing about um something that's hyper poisonous like some mushrooms are is they can make you you know they can make you hallucinate like the poison make you hallucinate Um, i'm just glad they didn't do a whole right that whole um the whole thing right it would have been so unnecessary i think what they did was um that's kind of a there are, like, the details, like, the details of the shot, I think, is where this movie really shines. That's kind of what made me appreciate it the most, like, um, the the wide shots of when he's traveling. Mm-hmm. 
uh, like I said, the the scene in the lake. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. I think that scene is so beautifully shot. It's it's a really cool scene. Uh, I mean the 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 wardrobe kind of seems time period accurate. I mean, I, I there's a lot of things I really appreciate this movie. I just wish I liked it more. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is a A24 man. We've done a lot of A24s yeah. on here, bro. We did. Yeah. Uh, w- uh, everything everywhere all at once uh, lamb, lamb florida project fucking uh yeah all kinds of them it's yeah. because these movies fucking rock i mean yeah, I'm there's, sh- a, there's a I mean, there's a lot i'm sure they're I'm, not all you know great but uh but there's a lot to talk they take about chances though. yeah 24. yeah there's and there's a lot to talk about in these movies yeah substance one one of my negatives about the movie is the kind of the cgis like the the fox and the giants and like that kind of takes me out of it just a little bit. I, I was actually going to bring that up too. It's like because like some people um, praise the like the scene of the giants as like one of the best scenes in the movie, and I thought it was one of the I worst. Disagree. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot better if they would have shot actual people and then just did some camera tricks to make it scale or or even. Um, just use some computer magic to scale them up. You know what I mean? But I think it's, I think it would have been better to superimpose real people, um, and then just like put makeup on them. Yeah, because the the CGI in that section, the fox didn't bother me as much. It kind of did me <laughs> because I understood it. It wasn't supposed to be like a real thing. It was more supposed to be his guide on the end because right. the fox doesn't really correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the fox really shows up until he eats the mushrooms like that's kind of like around the time it shows up i think he starts following him a little before that or something but right yeah it was around then i think but um but the 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 one the part that really took me out of it was the the scene i really didn't like it i, I was just, I just found it i found it to be weird and unnecessary because i didn't find that that's kind of what i'm talking about it's like there's some like artsy scenes that aren't necessary to the movie where they could have just focused on core events and really made the audience connect with those moments. And I think they would have hit home harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the point where the fo- Fox starts talking and shit and you're like, all right, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's like warning him to not proceed ahead or else he'll die or something. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. What do you take from that? That's because is is that is the fox supposed to be like part of his subconscious or something, telling him to? I don't know. That's kind of that's this that's kind of um the good and bad thing about this movie is it just leaves essentially everything open to interpretation. Yeah, which makes it fun to talk about. But there's fun to have some of that, but like not a yeah. <laughs> not that's a, and that's so. kind of um. Kind of back to my earlier point, I really, um, I really feel like the art of filmmaking was more taken into consideration than really solidifying the story and his interaction with other characters. Because the inter- like the dialogue and interaction with most characters comes, it feels pretty quick. And then there are kind of a lot of silent moments in the movie where it's kind of just him versus nature, which is fine if you want to focus on that. But I think they're just 
there needs to be there needs, just needs to be more there just, there just <laughs> needed to be more so yeah did you rent this movie or did you uh, I rented it I watched the uh, the free version with ads <laughs> see uh, I, I just can't watch I know it. it's I hate it man it I, does kind of suck I tr- I've tried to watch I have the voodoo app and I've tried to watch movies on there and I just I just get after like an hour you know watching like 20 or 20 30 ads I'm like fuck this I can't yeah, do it anymore it's too much I've grown I've just grown too accustomed to maybe doing it ad free life at shitty points in the movie too when, right, you're, when like- you're really invested <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah he reaches the green chapel he bitches out, <laughs> or so you think. That's funny how he, <laughs> he just runs away. He's like, no. I can't do this. Yep. <laughs> he just really gives into like his true character. And there's yeah. a lot that happens right there. He travels home, and fucking, he knocks up the one girl, and then ends up. What did they took her kid or something? So what happens is, um, and it's just something that's been mentioned before. Because because before he leaves, she's asking him to make her his queen. But because she is a common girl and she is a prostitute, he like it would look, and that's kind of like where you kind of see the truth of his character. Is he he care, clearly he cares about this girl. I mean, he at least spends enough time with her and tells her like tells her all his secrets. But he doesn't have the strength enough of character. To go against the grain, um, which, I mean, isn't really something that happened a lot. I mean, it was common for knights, lords, and nobles to essentially have a mistress along with their um, wives, uh, which is why they tended to father so many illegitimate children. Um, However, he doesn't have the strength of character to give her an answer or to, you know, fight against his family so essentially what ends up happening is he gets her pregnant but because she's a commoner he can't uh he can't marry her because she isn't of noble standing but his son technically is like he still has a noble birthright so he takes the child and marries another noble oh yeah and interestingly enough the noble he marries looks a lot like the girl from the cabin in the lake. <laughs> like, she just yeah. has more makeup on. I thought she looked like the other one that jerked him off. No, uh, the one that jerked him off uh, actually looks like the one he. It's 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 technically it's supposed to be like. A, Is it the same act actress? Essel, yes, it's the actress that plays Essel, the one that jerks him off. She just has long hair and is wearing makeup, so it's, that's why she looks different. Right on. And that's well, why that's why he is so confused when he sees her at first. Yeah. Because she looks so much like Essel. So yeah, I mean, it goes through like his whole life and then finally cuts back to him where he's there kneeling in front of the green knight. And uh, you know, the sash that was supposed to protect him from any harm, he takes that off like we said earlier so he can be a noble knight. And get his head chopped One, off. Uh, dies his, honorably. Yeah, dies honorably. Like it re- uh, accepts his responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Anything else about this movie? I think I'm about done. Yeah. No. I. I. I really. Uh, we de- we de- yeah. We. We deep dived into this. Yeah. Man. Like we had. A, I, I told you. I had That's a lot a to say. It's a very interesting movie, man. Yeah. Um. 
in a lot of ways. Um, rewatchability, I would, but it'd probably be a while before. I yeah, I, th- I almost feel like um, I, it, it needs a rewatch. I feel like this is one of those movies you need to watch it at least twice. To really yeah, maybe next time I'll watch it without ads. <laughs> right. And, uh, well, I think another thing that threw me off is I watched this movie during the day. And it's such a dark movie. I feel like it made me miss some things. So I would uh, I would go back and watch this movie at night the second time. A green night. Um, where do you rank it? Rate it? I mean, based off my, if I was, I give it like a six, man. Uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting. That's at. about where I'm at too. Six, give maybe six point five. And that's because I think there was a lot of positives about the movie but yeah i just i just think it um it's a little too drawn out for my taste sure yeah i wrote yeah about six six point five but has potential to go up (laughs) that's what i wrote (laughs) but yeah there you have folks uh the green knight it's a decent watch. Maybe check it out. Um. <laughs> but only maybe. If you feel like it. <laughs> if you feel, if you're up to it. Shout out fucking Larry. He's uh, he's the one who recommended this movie to me. And uh, I think he really likes it. I think he's a big fan of it. But anyways, should we take a quick break and then jump into the next one? Yeah, sure, man. I think I'm going to turn this air conditioner back on for a while. It's kind of starting to feel like it's boiling in here. Yeah, I know. It gets hot real quick. All right, all right, all right. And we're back. And we got we may have a little background noise cuz the AC's on, but we're burning up in here, so deal with it, deal bitches. Deal with it. <laughs> um our next movie is my pick for this week. It's As the Palaces Burn, The Lamb of God documentary. This came out in 2013. Director Don Argett. 81% tomato meter, 89 audience score. Tagline, the only way out is through the fire. By the way, I didn't say the tagline for Green Knight. That was, uh, when honor was everything, when courage made kings. That works. Yeah. <laughs> it's fitting, I guess. Yeah. I think uh, the tagline for this movie... Uh is much more befitting. The only way out is through the fire. Yeah, I mean, it's So you had no you. idea about what this was about, right? No, no. Um, I mean, I... Uh, you heard about... Big spoilers. Like, I mean, I had known that um, Randy Blythe had been arrested in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And I knew he had done... Like, he was on trial for murder. and But I didn't really know any of the backstory or how deep it actually went into it. Because I thought it was just like a kangaroo court. You know, and it's like, ah, it's just bullshit. They're just picking on uh, metal bands because they're like fucking weird guys i didn't yeah. like know like the real details behind it um i will say um my bad <laughs> i uh, i did really like the first half of the documentary where it was more focused on the them fans. and they're in it because you can tell they love their fans man and it's really cool um and it was how big um, of a lamb of god fan are you me i like their music i'm a huge oh. fan see i'm not a huge fan um i I remember when um, As the Palace Burns and um, what's the album after that? Uh, uh, Ashes of the Wake. That's right. Before it, yeah. Laid uh, to Rest, all those songs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ashes of the Wake. 
Um, so I actually, when I was younger, I actually liked As the Palaces Burn more. I Me really, too. really fucking I still like that album more. Uh, yeah, I do too. Um, so I really like. More liked, people tend to go towards Ashes of the Wake, though. Yeah, um, but for me, it was always as a palace burn. I fucking, I think that eleventh hour ruin. Yeah, fucking oh, great shit songs on there. Fucking shit slaps, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, after those two albums, I kind of fell off them for a long time. And what's funny is I didn't really listen to a lot of their newer stuff until we covered Descending, and then I started going back and listening to more of their That's other all albums. Sacrament. Sacrament um, and album. honestly, Sacrament kind of became my favorite it's album. A pretty great album. Um, I uh, so I was actually Black really, and the Cursed Sun. Oh that yeah, dude, uh, rules. that actually is, that's my favorite song on the album. I love that song, <laughs> dude. I, like, I mean, there's some badass songs like uh, "Walk with Me in Hell" and uh, of course, like "Redneck's a Good Song," um, "Descending," obviously, which we covered. Mm-hmm. Um, the pieces do all. Good shit. A river about to be found in a rope chosen bound hang. When I'm blinded, I think I see everything. Convincing myself again. This God that I worship. All right, we'll stop. We're going to do that for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, fuck. fuck. <laughs> we'll just cover the fucking song. Oh, um, shit. Good shit. Uh, yeah. But uh, I am actually going to see Lamb of God soon with Pantera. Fuck. Uh, when is that show, man? Is it sold out? Uh, uh, no, it's at uh, Ruoff. What day is it on, though? I'm looking it up right now. Saturday, July 29th. You want to go? I fucking really do. I've never <laughs> seen Lamb of God live, man, and I've always wanted to. And It's uh, going to be a bunch of us there. We're going to have a big old fucking group. It's on a Saturday? Yep. Can you request off or something? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Um, I think still I'm, got like a month left. To request yeah. off, yeah, I'll uh, I'll talk to my boss about it on Monday. Yeah, fuck it, I go. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm taking my my sister's favorite band is uh her two favorite bands are Bring Me the Horizon and uh, Fall Out Boy. So I'm taking her to that concert on the 16th. But fuck it, dude. Yeah, I, I want to go. I want to go see Lamb of God. I've never seen them before, so I'm not the hugest Pantera fan, but I, I like I like them well enough. I guess. Honestly, man, there there's there are I think um. I think it's Sandblasted. That's my... Um, it's not like the album that everybody loves, but I think that's their best album. It's got like a Sandblasted Skin. Uh, it's got a lot of bangers on it. Um, I mean, they've, had, they've got some good music. I just don't like a lot of their mainstream shit. Like, I don't like Cowboys from Hell. I don't... I think Walk Cemetery is... Cemetery Gates is a good song. Yeah. I think Cemetery Gates is actually on uh, Sandblasted. Um uh, that that album is good, but a lot of their like well-known songs I actually don't like that much. Welcome to Kevin and Drew talk music. <laughs> <laughs> we totally could, dude. I'd be down to review know, albums. It'd be cool. I thought I've had that thought before. Um, but uh, anyway, back back to this so documentary. Yeah, Sorry, we, it starts off and you you know you see Randy he. He's at that play at the river. He was like, I used to live here under this bridge, <laughs> whatever, you know. He's yeah. Like, he's like, I didn't even have the van. I was just living down by the river. <laughs> and it kind of, it really makes you realize what that dude has been through, man. It's it's pretty wild. It's a lot. 
it's like it made me appreciate the things that I have because I mean I I wouldn't say I haven't had an easy life, but I've never been so hard up that I've been homeless. Like I've been right. I've been at least been fortunate enough. I mean I've been there have been low points in my life where I've been like really fucking poor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I've I've definitely had moments where I was like. Fuck! This could this could be the thing that breaks Just barely scraping by. But I've never been so poor that I've been homeless, man. So I can't, I can't even fathom like how hard that fucking is, right. man. Like how living Seems like that fucking terrible. Yeah, man. Um. Yeah, he talks a little bit about imposter syndrome, which a, a lot of uh, famous people bring that up. But he's like, I feel like they're going to find out and i don't know who or what they <laughs> what they're going to find out but when they do it's all over and that's kind of that kind of rings true to the second half of the movie you know where well, you know i they, would say too that it seems to me that randy is a really humble guy like especially ever since he'd gotten clean like and sober and he quit with doing drugs and drinking like mm-hmm. he seems to be a very humble human being because i've um not like famous musicians but like music icons that are like niche um I, a good example of this it's someone that's kind of said something similar uh, is henry rollins he's kind of said the same thing he's like you know one day i feel like all this is going to be over and i'm going to be back in that mcdonald's fucking flipping burgers he's like but uh, you know what i'm going to appreciate the the ride while it lasts like sure and i, f- I feel of like course. Um, you got so, i feel like some of the the best musicians are are the most humble people man and uh Ra- randy especially in this documentary seems to very much be that like just mm-hmm. a very humble dude honestly the uh the whole cast of those guys seem to they all seem to be pretty humble guys. Man. I know. I love Mark Morton. <laughs> That's why I try to look like him. I got the beard and I got the long hair. Who is the dude with the gray beard and the gray hair? It's John Campbell. Dude I have a pick from John Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I swear to God. When I saw Lamb of God. A John while back. Campbell is what Mike is gonna look like when he's like forty five. You think so? He, dude, I swear, Mike <laughs> looks just like that dude. He fought the whole. That was the one thing about the documentary that threw me off. Shout out Mike Brown. I was like, Whoop. I was like, John Campbell looks like an old Mike Brown. I was like, this is <laughs> fucking crazy. I'm uh, sure he'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll be funny seeing Mike go all white, just a silver fox. <laughs> he'll uh he'll go he'll go from uh mike the gray to <laughs> mike the white <laughs> mike the previous co-host of these episodes um good guy great head of hair <laughs> <laughs> um yeah they t- it's been a couple of weeks since i've seen this because i watched it and then i let you borrow it right so i'm trying to remember they talk about the early days they go over some of that old shit. They go over like the fight they had in the Philadelphia DVD, where you know Randy and uh, Mark Morton were fighting, throwing, throwing fists and shit. That's just funny. Well, like, they kind of all kind of talk about their how they're how proud they are of Randy and how he's like a totally different how dude he turned to be himself yeah. around. Yeah, because he was like in just in darkness for so long, just you know, just blacking out all the fucking time heavy drinker yeah um and some sure other drugs <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah for sure man 
but it was also fun to see them interacting with these fans and like how much, you know, it was really interesting. Like the places this music, like these fans were in, like the guy from, I know um, that's what originally what they wanted to do with this documentary is to turn the camera to face the fans and how passionate these fans are the metal community how it's all kind of like a big family well and it's really interesting that even across different cultures yeah like they go to all like, kinds of like places. the girl in india she's just like a fucking girl in a metal band in america like she's yeah. not you know granted her culture is probably much less accepting of this music mm-hmm. and of like the style and probably the same thing for uh Columbia, man. Like, I'm sure that's not like something that's like widely accepted in Colombia either. Yeah, they went to Colombia, Israel, India, Europe, and then they end up going. You know, well, the Europe isn't surprising, man, because metal is fucking huge in Europe. I mean, like you think of like the Scandinavian countries and like Germany and Italy. Uh, a lot of those places, man, metal is super fucking big. Like, yeah, and it just shows you how much this music means to people. Like, right, because it's 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 and a, to us personally. Yeah, you know, we we've been fans of this genre for a long for, for fucking, fucking time, kids, dude. man. Like, I've been fans of this fucking music for thirty five now. Fuck, so <laughs> you know, basically my whole life. Yeah, like. I mean, not not when I was like a little kid, right? You know, but probably since the time I was like, probably around ten, eleven years old. Yeah, I when you're a little kid, you'd listen to like what your parents. Your radio, to. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you start to have more of a turning point around the time you're probably about you start twelve to or thirteen. Form your own opinions yeah, about music. It's about the time you're about twelve or thirteen, I would say, and that was really when I when I started getting into this music, man. Um, I remember going to my first Ozfest, bro. And <laughs> that was, for me, that was 2006. Mine was 03. Shit. And I went five years in a row. Three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. See, I uh, I went to six, uh, but it was the free one, so I didn't have to pay for it. So I oh, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to that one in Missouri, of all places. Oh, shit. <laughs> what a weird. I remember Static X played, uh, I think, Hate Breed. I remember seeing Whitechapel there. I think no, no, that was that was another co- that was another thing altogether. Um, <laughs> yeah, I no, it was Nile. Nile was the uh, death metal band I saw there. They're fucking awesome. Hell yeah, good times, man. I remember seeing Cradle of Filth on the second stage out there in Ozfest, and just they were kicking up so much dust you couldn't even see the band, bro. <laughs> Yeah, some uh, some dude punched my friend Ryan in the back of the head, so he fucking kicked him in the face and knocked him out cold. And then he came running up to me. I didn't see it happen, but I saw the kid lying on the ground, like in the pit. He came out. He's like, "All right, we gotta go. We gotta get out of here." Oh my god! Oh man! Oh man! Um, here's a quote. Uh, it was as much of drink. It was as much of. It was as much a drinking club as it was a band, is what he said. Oh, yeah. they were all they heavy, started, heavy yeah, drinkers yeah. and shit. <sighs> Which is interesting, man. Which I think was like, uh, you know, in the early days, I think that was a, a big source of turmoil for the band, you know? Yeah. I mean, I they think would, that, was, that was probably uh, when we... When Thomas was still a part of us, I think there were times where we fucking drank a lot, Shout out, too. Thomas. 
<laughs> yeah, he's and straight you know, edge though. Yeah, well, I think that was a source of his frustration because there, yeah. there were times where like I agree. There was a couple shows, man, where we like you, me, and Josh. We drink, went at, we got after it. <laughs> we got after it, and we, we probably should have waited till after. And I mean, well, that's what caused us to make the rule, man. It was like, okay, no more drinking or smoking before the show. Like, save that shit for afterwards. It's like, a good rule. It, it's a great rule, man. <clears throat> So when they were in India and they were playing a, a gig or whatever, um, they they go through the crowd and talk to people. And some of these people travel 24 hours or more just to get there to see right. Lamb one, of God. One dude said it, he traveled by like 48 hours by train. <laughs> train, yeah. I was like, that's fucking <laughs> crazy, dude. Well, I don't think they get many fucking shows like that. You probably know not. I mean? No, man. They're probably very In limited. Their, around so. their parts of the world, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. Imagine imagine traveling fucking two days. I would say probably one of the few, um, like, South Asian countries where it's easier to come across metal shows is probably Japan. Because Japan ha- is kind of a been on the rise for a long time, and uh, it's because of this band called Deer and Gray, which is strictly a Japanese death metal band. Like they're the biggest Japanese metal band in the world, and they kind of paved the way for that m- music. I mean, I don't think it's like it's not a mainstream thing as much as it is in like America or Europe, but I mean, it's much more accepted there because of them because they really trailblazed the way for that there and i'm like there are like a handful of asian bands like that but i mean like places like china india you're not really going to kind of see that music because they you know it's not really part of their culture it's it's something very foreign to them right which is why it was like kind of so cool i was like oh fuck they're playing a metal show in India, and this many people turned out for it? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy, man. But when you think about it, though, man, uh, you know, you can, you know, they probably had like 10, 20,000 people show up to that show, right? But the population for India is 1 billion people, dude. So it's like not even a 1% of their population showed up. You know what I mean? So it's like less than a, a percent of the population probably listens to that music. Praise Allah. <laughs> um, that's that's uh, Muslim, not Hindi, but it's okay, man. Like, I was just quoting Mark Norman. He always says that. Um, <laughs> Shout out Marky Mark. Fucking love Mark Norman. Dude, Anyways, he's so funny. So let's get into the meat of this movie, man. Yeah, okay, they go sure. to all these places, and then they finally they go over to the Czech Republic, to Prague, and they stop him before he can get off the flight. There's fucking... There's uh, police and everybody just waiting for Randy because apparently, what was it? It was like a few years before. So it was two years before. Um, apparently, the accusation was that Randy had pushed a fan off the stage and that fan hit his head, which led to a brain aneurysm and then he went died. Went into a coma and then Went died. into a coma and he died. So that was the accusation. Um yeah. So they they stop Randy. Um, they just take him into custody. They take him into custody, and so um, you know, 
What's interesting, and I'm, I'm going to say this, especially after watching the movie, if these events happened in America, it would have been a very, very short case. Like he open and closed. He they essentially they would have looked at the footage, uh, um, and that would have pretty much been it because there's not any instance. What are you saying? You're saying he would have got off. He would have got off right, the, right the away. Reason, because you, when you watch the footage, the first time the supposed person that is pushed off the stage, he doesn't get pushed. He jumps off the stage. Yeah. The second instance, Randy. Helped. He, he's there guy, was a security. There was guard. a security guard throwing this person off the stage, but Randy's kind of just. It looks more like he's guiding him with his hand, his left hand, and, and it looks like he's trying to guide him into a place where he's not going to like fall and hit his head. That's what it seemed like to me. Mm-hmm. And then the final instance, Randy doesn't even touch the guy. It's security that throws them off the stage. Now I will, I will say this. You know, this family lost a son. Yeah, and it's, it's their tragedy. only son. It's it's tragic, man. It's you know you feel for that family. That's it's it's a terrible thing that and happened. And so does Randy. You're like you can tell it. You can see. You can it hear it in his in voice. His, yeah. yeah. You know because he's like if he feels terrible. He's like man. I, you know that's the last thing I want to happen is for the, the you know that a death of a fan. Like, uh, however, it definitely seems. That this was an instance where it was it was probably something crazy happened. Like the kid was like in the mosh pit, or he did something and hit his head, and it was like a freak accident. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where it seems like the family just needed more of a reason and needed something. Needed to blame, and I mean, I totally understand that. That's valid. Closure. They need closure. They need. They need to know why this happened. You know, because some, it is. It sucks to um, to say this because I'm. I've been through it. Like sometimes there's not a reason. Right. Sometimes like shit happens and you lose people and there's no good explanation. And that sounds really mean and harsh, but it's the truth. It's it's it fucking sucks. I mean, I've been there myself, man. I've lost people and I've been like, why? Why did this happen? And there's no real good reason. It's just sometimes that's life, and it sucks, and it, it hurts. And not, I'm not trying to be callous, no, but no. it's just the reality of the world we live in. And it definitely seemed like they were um two thing. There were two things that kind of became apparent, like watching the court case. The first thing was they were really out to make this Randy's fault. And secondly, the prosecutor was a younger guy and it seemed like he really wanted to win this case to establish his career. So I don't, it didn't seem like he, they really cared if Randy was innocent or not. It it very much so seemed like, uh, he just wants to win. Well, and it's also, you know, people that don't, don't understand this music. Yeah, that's the note I had. They mentioned how they had they realized that the judges and the lawyers they don't they probably don't understand these type of shows and what goes on at them, and uh, well, and just, just how uh, crazy it could well, get there. Yeah, well, um, let's uh, so these these shows can get crazy. They get wild, 
But let's let's pull it back a little bit. Let's pull it back to 1999 Woodstock with Limp Biscuit, where the crowd literally went. I saw so, that documentary. Where the crowd went so crazy, they ripped apart the fucking arena, man. <laughs> that's why, and that's the kind of shit that could happen at these shows. Yeah, it's not what you want to happen, but you, you get the right people, the right mindset, and you know you live in kind of times we live in where people feel oppressed and helpless and then they finally they feel like they can do something and fight back against the the you know the reality of the world and sometimes people fucking they go off they they take it they dial it up to 11 and that can definitely happen at these shows man i've i've definitely seen wild shit at heavy metal shows oh, but yeah. normally Nobody is trying to hurt anybody. They're just trying to have a good time. Definitely people get, yeah. take it up to 11 and get a little out of hand. But I mean, nobody's generally trying to hurt anybody. Like it's really Almost every single mosh pit, There's if someone falls on the floor, there's a guy with his hand out ready to help him up. You know oh, yeah, I mean? man. I, I've, literally, I've literally bear hugged people and like scooped them up off the ground. <laughs> of course. Like, you know, because they don't want you know you don't, don't want nobody to get trampled or nothing. There. Yeah, you don't want anybody to like, get hurt. It, it really is like a... It's community, man. Like mm-hmm. it's, um, but when you, when you, when all you do when you're not a part of it, and you don't looking listen to from music, the music when, when you're an outsider uh, look, looking through the glo- looking, uh, you know, looking through the glass, it seems like a violent, angry music, and then you know, a lot of the times. But that, it is like, a way to get aggression out. Uh, you know, like some of my friends, a, kind of in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of my friends like that aren't familiar with this music they view it as they're like that well that's that's satan worship music and i was like not <laughs> not really and that's not not even like religious people you know what i mean just people that aren't really familiar with heavy yeah, metal music and they hear it they're just like that's 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 devil worship music, right? Like that's and that's you know, and then these places like they're worship they're devil worshippers. Right? Devil worshippers, yeah. Well and then really it definitely you kind of get that vibe from the court too when they're in Prague. They're like, well, this is you know, these are evil people. They like their music is evil. Like, it's it's violent music. It's really not. <laughs> but it's really not too most most of people that I know that listen to metal are fucking laid back stoners yeah, like you, cool, like coolest people I know. Right, right. <laughs> most chill motherfuckers. Right. That's because we get that aggression out in the pit. In a in a you know. Per- <laughs> Well, it's not productive, but uh, <laughs> um, but it's that release attention. It's man. a release, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, they put together an auction to try to pay for the legal fees. You know, Randy's in prison and shit, and and that that part too. Whenever he, they I finally was, release him, I was shocked for how long he was in prison. I know that was kind of the thing where th- that kind of shit would have never flown in America because they posted bail, and then when you kind of saw what the prosecution team did, they kind of you could tell they kind of s- put some ideas in the judge's head about about this case because they had already paid the bail. And then they substantially increased the bail and put him basically in prison. Randy was in prison what for like a month? So yeah, something, something like, that. like that, man. That's a that's a fucking long that's a time, stretch, bro. That's a long, especially in a fucking in a foreign country. In a foreign dude, 
like as bad as prisons are in America, they're a whole. I I watch those prison documentaries, dude. Prisons in other like that places that aren't America, like they don't have as many people incarcerated. Like that's more of an American practice. But the people that are in those prisons are. They're supposed to be there, and that's why they're so much worse. It's like those people are, like, they're guilty. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Randy ended up, on the next album, he ended up writing about a, a few songs about his experience there. I think 512 was one of his uh, songs. Uh, I think that was, like, his prison cell or block or something like that. Uh, that's a great song. My hands are painted red. <laughs> you know that one? I'm gonna throw it on after this. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Thirty-eight days later, they release him, and he's granted permission to leave the country on the condition that he comes back to face trial. And when, dude, I get teary-eyed right there whenever they fucking they first see Randy, right? The whole, the whole band, his family, and all that, and just hugs and people are crying. I'm like, oh, damn. It's emotional, man, and and then his first show back—that's also Dude, emotional. The, yeah, the fucking love he gets. Like, yeah, you got Corey like, Taylor in there talking about him and shit. See, the thing with Corey Taylor, and I don't, I, the way he was talking about it, I was like, I don't know, man. It didn't seem genuine it or didn't, something. Yeah, it didn't seem genuine to me. You know what I mean? I kind of got that vibe. Yeah, I kind of was like. You know, it's like, oh. Oh, shit. They could play Knotfest now. <laughs> that's kind of more like what it seemed like. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, you know, that's not that wasn't the first thought in my head. I was like, I think that was exactly the first thought in your head, man. I was like, you know, I, I love Slipknot. I do. I was like, and I think Corey Taylor's funny most of the time. But I also think he's kind of a giant dickhead. You, you know what I mean? Like, what's Have up? Have you heard any of the new shit? Like, I think Not they really, just dropped yeah. some shit. I don't... I know Craig left the band, old spiky head. Man, um, honestly, man, I... I've I think listened. the last two albums, I just haven't bothered with it. Yeah, I, the last one that I really listened to was the one that's got, like, Dead Memories and Psychosocial. Uh, like, chapter 3, yeah, the Grey Chapter, the gray whatever. Ch- yeah, that's probably the last album I really paid any attention to. That was a pretty to. good album, man. Yeah, it was. Um, but for me, dude, it's always going to be Iowa, dude. That's the one that I go back to the that most. One's fucking like, sick, bro. Like, I mean, Volume Three is good. Self-titled um, was. I got that for Christmas one year, way yeah. back when. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that my was, mom reluctantly bought it for yeah. me. <laughs> she did not want me. To oh, dude, my mom. My mom hated. <laughs> That like she instantly regretted buying me Iowa because she could hear all the fucking. If you're five five five, then I'm six six six. Oh, dude, she would not let me listen to that song out loud. She's like, it's satanic. Turn it off. What's it like to be a heretic? Um, yeah. And then, oh yeah, there's some witness testimonies when they go to trial. Whenever. See, and that's kind of, I I already suspected, for one, it had been two years. And for two, like, when you hear, like, the witness testimony, you can kind of hear that shit kind of doesn't add up with what they're saying. You know what I mean? It seems kind of... There was that thing with the video, and there was that guy in the video, and then he came forward, and he was like, no, I am not... uh 
I forget the kid's name that died. Yeah. But uh, he's like, no, that was me jumping off the stage right there. See, that, that I think that was the most damning piece of evidence against the prosecution. When the person being pushed and thrown from the stage was not only not the person that was deceased, but it was an, a, another person that was actually living. I, that kind of completely now... Here's the kind of uh, something that I thought about mm-hmm. because they only have 32 minutes of footage of the show, so they they kind of cut the footage early for that show. But if recollection serves me right, that show was you know anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, so there's still you know possibly like 20 to 30 minutes of footage that we don't have. So we like we won't ever really know what happened to this kid, but what we do know is the footage that the prosecution was using was not legitimate. It wasn't even the person that they were saying it was. And I think that ultimately damned their entire argument because then all the witnesses, well, you know, we saw Randy push him off stage that completely incredu- um I think it's incredulates something like that. Incriminates no, no. Uh, essentially what I'm saying is it it makes their um it makes their argument uh it doesn't uh it, <laughs> how to I I'm fucking <laughs> we're brain I'm too farting. I'm too tired I'm we're too brain tired. farting right now. Yeah, I'm too tired uh, to 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 word properly. Call in if you know. <laughs> <laughs> I need to phone a friend. <laughs> um but yeah, we're getting to the well, end what I was this. gonna say is it essentially invalidated their argument. There you like, go. Yeah. Good job. Oh. You did it. <laughs> I did it. It took me two minutes, but it, I did it. Oh, the kid's name was Daniel. Daniel's uncle comes and testifies, saying he does not think that the full blame lies on the accused, aka Randy. And then the ruling, bro. How fucking. Right. How fucking tense were you for the ruling? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we uh, we know what happens. It could be because, you know, Lamb of God has been out there doing it. For forever. For like 10 years after this. Yep. But, uh. But it's very fucking gripping and just intense, bro. And then yeah. the ruling, total exoneration. Yep. Again, emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And, uh, he didn't even. It's like he didn't even believe it at first because they were translating. It's different language. They, she, he had a translator, and he's yeah. He had to have a translator the fucking the whole the whole time he was there. Yeah, and that's kind of that's another thing too that had to really suck, man. Like take that into consideration, where you're being tried for essentially something you didn't do, but your defense is kind of weak. Because you don't even speak the native language that you're being put on trial in, like that's got to be incredibly difficult, man. So there's got to be things that get lost in translation in a yeah, situation like that, for sure. Lost in translation. I've seen that movie. That's a have you subpar Bill Murray movie, man. <laughs> I know. I didn't like it. It's like a art house movie. People really love it. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. It's that's a didn't it's love a, it. Uh, didn't dude. hate it, but didn't love it. I think there's a. There's That's just, like a Sofia Coppola, I think. Coppola. 
There are just there are movies that are like that that have been done so much better. Like, but anyways, um, yeah. So this wasn't the actual intention of the film. They wanted to do a whole documentary about their fans and everything, but then when this happened, it was like, well, we gotta document this now because it's a fucking it's a crazy thing that's going on, and. Uh, it's fucking, it's a great watch. I actually saw this in theaters. Can you believe that? No shit. <laughs> yeah. They I didn't had, even realize it got released. Yeah, the they had a limited run. I had to go to, drive to Plainfield to see it because that was the only showing close to me <laughs> at the time. It was tight though, man. It was cool. Just a bunch of metal heads in the theater just watching Lamb of God on the big screen. Good times. Rewatchability. Um... Sure. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be something I'd rewatch again just because, like, it's a pretty straightforward story, you know what I mean? So, like, once you watch it, you kind of, you get, you have the full story. Yeah, um, yeah. So, for, for personally, for me, it's I think not I've that, seen it, like, three times by now, um, so far. Personally, for me, I I don't think I would watch it again just, just because I'm... You got. I, li- I like Lamb of God, but I got the story, and I, I'm not. I'm not a super big Lamb of God fan, so it's not something where I, w- I don't feel like I would sit down and rewatch it a bunch of times. Sure, I get that. What about rating? It was good though, man. It, it definitely it had me gripped. Like especially, um, I almost wish they would have done another documentary uh, with their original intention, like because I found that to be so interesting. Um. Mm-hmm. I'd give it I'd give it like a seven, man. I, I nice. think it, nice. I think it, it was uh it was done well. Like um and I think it it was interesting. It felt the very like a very true documentary because they were really just kind of going with the flow of the events, like and it's, Yeah. It was happening it's, in, it's, in real time yeah, it's as they of, were trying to film a doc. Yeah, and I do think that it's kind of interesting where the things that like you mentioned earlier, the things that uh Randy was apprehensive about ended up becoming true like right yeah dude it's crazy um my rating i'm i would say probably an eight dude because i really love it i love this band i've been a fan since fucking forever (laughs) and it's just it's heavy it's fucking it's real and randy dude when he's like they show him like practicing for the fucking for the trial and shit and he's like trying to get his all his they're like grilling him with questions and shit dude and he's just like to the best of his ability trying to just be as real as possible real and honest yeah honest yeah great fucking movie you can't find it anywhere sorry fans if you uh (laughs) If you like to watch these movies before listening to the pod, I, good luck trying to find it. You probably have to find it on DVD or something. That's why I let you borrow it. Right. Um, but there you have it. Let's. There's only one thing left to do. You know what that means. Pick our next movie. Yeah, I actually made a, I made a, a new list of movies because I, I want to try and pick stuff that neither one of us has seen before. I like that. Um, so... Uh, do you know what movie you're picking? Yes. Okay, go ahead, man. All right. Well, this is another first <laughs> okay. for the podcast, you know. Okay. And it's because it's one we've already done. 
Dun, dun. Me and Mike. Not so you haven't seen it. Okay. But we've already done it on this podcast. But I want your take on it. You okay. Know, sure. I think. I think you might appreciate it. I think it's more your type of movie than it was Mike's type of movie. Sure. Right. So, it's director Sean Baker. Remember him? The Florida Project. Okay. Sure. Red Rocket. I'm choosing Red okay, Rocket. Okay. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Um, I fucking love this movie, dude. I am going to um fireworks outside. I'm going to choose a movie <laughs> called Manchester by the Sea. Oh, I've seen it. Shit. It's really good. Okay. I haven't <laughs> seen it. So, it's on it's on my list of movies it's though. Pretty good. See, so, and the I'm, thing about that movie too is when I I watched it like not even that long ago, a few months and uh but it was spoiled for me because I listened to a movie podcast. And oh shit! So, but even well, that, I, even that, I still fucking liked the movie. Uh, I mean, um, I could rewind it and pick something else <laughs> if you want. It's up to you, man. Um, have you ever seen Schindler's List? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> seen all these movies. I've seen it once. Uh, what about uh, Mulholland Drive? I have not. David Lynch. That's David Lynch. Yep. That's what we're going with then. Okay. I wanna, like, I'm picking track because I wanted to pick a movie you haven't seen and a movie I haven't seen because okay. I, like, I like doing that. I like okay. getting like a fresh take yeah, on a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So never mind. We're going with Mall Hand Drive. We'll put Manchester by the Sea on the back burner for... Yeah. Until it's been longer Manchester than a couple months. Manchester by the Sea, man. It's, it's heavy. It's good. It's a, it's a crier. Um, but yeah, okay. Mulholland Drive... Mulholland Drive, yep, that's what I've I'm seen go. a couple of David Lynch's in it. They're very fucking weird. Yep. Have you seen any? Um David Lynch. I've seen Eraserhead. He, see, Eraserhead is on my list of movies to watch, but I have not watched it yet. And I've seen Blue Velvet was the other one. Um, I've heard of Blue Velvet but never watched it. So like I'm like kind of fam- I'm familiar with him. I know he's a really weird guy. Can we I'm pull up f- his movies real quick? Yeah, let's do it, man. While we're while we're on the subject, before the last little tidbit before right. we, uh, <clears throat> Mulholland Drive. I've heard about this dude. It's supposed to be a pretty good movie, so I want to. Movies and TV shows. We got Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, Eraserhead, Lost Highway. Uh, Inland Empire, which is where I'm from, bro. Hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think, uh... Uh, The Elephant Man. Whoa. That's weird. I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies before. Yeah, I'm always like... I don't know how to think about his movies, because they're so fucking weird, dude. Like, Eraserhead, it was very disturbing to watch. Oh, he made the original Dune movie. I didn't know that. I actually have seen one of his movies. I've seen the original Dune movie. There you go. Hell yeah. There you have it, folks. Uh, Mulholland Drive, Red Rocket, next time on Kevin and Drew Talk Movies. As the Green Knight burns. (sighs) This was a fun one, man. Yeah, yeah. We really dig deep. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot lot to talk about. I like Mm. when we... uh, that's why I try and uh, I've been trying to pick 
more movies we can really dive into. That's why these episodes go a little long, because we're digging deep, folks, for you, for the fans. (laughs) (laughs) All three of you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. He's not joking, folks. That's a true statement. Anyways, we'll see you next time. Peace. We love you. Convincing myself again. This god that I worship. All right, we'll stop. We're going to do that for the rest of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, fuck. Fuck.